Welcome to the Wrap Yourself in Joy podcast. I'm Karen Dwyer, speaker, teacher, and author of four books on joy. If you are searching for more joy in your life, join me for about 15 minutes every week. It could change your life. This Advent series is based on my book, The Joy of Advent, Journey with the People, Events, and Prayers. Plus, it has an imprimatur. So why not start a Cup of Joy women's group by inviting a few friends to listen to the podcast and meet for one hour over coffee for discussion and prayer. I'll send you free materials. Just sign up at my website, wrapyourselfinjoy.com. The podcast is brought to you by the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Hello, welcome to Advent Joy podcast number four. I'm Karen Dwyer, and you are listening to the Advent Joy series. Last week, we walked with Blessed Mary to visit her old cousin, Elizabeth. Both women were with a child. Both are rejoicing over the births to come, and both are thrilled to see each other. And it was a most joyful meeting of hearts. They had three months of deep fellowship and joy to strengthen them for the next part of their journeys. Today, we continue our Advent journey in Luke 1. We're going to a celebration at Zacharias. Can't you just picture yourself as one of the neighbors who has come to help name the baby boy that was born to the old priest Zachariah and his aged wife Elizabeth? Can you hear yourself say, this must be some kind of child, a miracle baby. What a blessing from the Lord for Elizabeth. Poor old Zachariah was struck mute the last time he went up to serve in the temple. So let's head to the celebration and read Luke 1, 56-66. And Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown His great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zachariah after his father. But his mother said, No, he's to be called John. They said to her, None of your relatives has this name. Then they began motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give him. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And all of them were amazed. Immediately, Zachariah's mouth was open and his tongue freed, and he began to speak, praising God. Fear came over all the neighbors, and all these things were talked about throughout the entire hill country of Judea. And all who heard them pondered them and said, What then will this child become? For indeed, the hand of the Lord was with him. Now the neighbors had come to the important circumcision rite that makes the newborn a part of the Jewish community forever. Circumcision was established as a rite by God under the Old Covenant. It was a mark on a male and a sign that he was in covenant with God, sanctified for divine service, and a member of the Jewish people. The rite was performed on the eighth day after birth and traditionally took place at home and was accompanied by prayers and naming the child. Today, it's still observed and celebrated with families and friends in the traditional Jewish communities. In our Christian churches and under the New Covenant, circumcision is not a religious rite for us. Paul wrote in Galatians 5.6, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. The ritual of circumcision does have similarities to our sacrament of baptism. Both traditionally involve a ceremony celebrated in the presence of family and friends, plus a godfather and a godmother. For the Jewish faith, circumcision is a sign that one belongs to God. Whereas for the Christian, baptism is a sign one belongs to Christ, is united with Him in His death, 
his sins are forgiven, and he's incorporated into the church. Circumcision is an outward sign for the Jews, while baptism imprints on us an indelible spiritual sign which consecrates the person for Christian worship. Zechariah and Elizabeth's relatives and neighbors, as in just about every Jewish home at the time, played a big part in the family's life. Here we read, they're helping name the baby, whom they presume will be named after Zechariah. At the time, it was customary to name the firstborn child after his grandfather to avoid confusion in calling father and son by the same name. However, this case was an exception. The child was a miracle. The neighbors probably thought Zechariah was old enough to be the grandfather anyway. When Elizabeth said no to the naming the baby Zechariah, they had to ask his father. Most certainly, they thought the old Elizabeth must have been wrong in suggesting a name other than a family name. But Zechariah said, or wrote, his name would be John, meaning God is gracious. And it was the name spoken by the Archangel Gabriel to Zechariah. Luke 1.64 says, immediately Zechariah's mouth was open and his tongue freed. Once Zechariah fulfilled all that the angel Gabriel had asked, including naming the baby John, he could speak again. In fact, St. Ambrose writes, with good reason was his tongue loose, because faith untied what had been tied by disbelief. The last words out of Zechariah's mouth were words of doubt. Now we read that the next words out of Zechariah's mouth were words of praise to God. The nine months of silence had given Zechariah lots of time to draw closer to God and to ponder God's promises, his great mercy, and his faithfulness. Now Zechariah, filled with the Holy Spirit, could not help but praise God for all of his marvelous works and faithfulness to Israel and to Elizabeth and to their new family. So let's continue reading Luke 1, 67-79. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke this prophecy. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all those who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high, our rising sun, will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Zechariah's prophecy, like Mary's Magnificat, is called a canticle, which means little song, and it describes liturgical songs taken from Scripture. The first word of Zechariah's canticle in verse 68 in Jerome's Latin translation of the Bible is benedictus, which means, blessed be, and then it goes on, the Lord God. In Luke 1.22, Zechariah had skipped blessing the people because of his sudden muteness. Now, nine months later, and after obeying the words of God via Gabriel, Zechariah starts blessing the Lord and blessing his people. Our English word, benediction, is derived from the word benedictus, and it means an invocation of a blessing in public worship. 
The Benedictus Canticle, right from these scriptures, is sung every morning in the Liturgy of the Hours in the Catholic Church and is often said over the grave of loved ones. In the Benedictus Canticle, Zechariah praises God and expresses thanks for three things. Number one, the promises that would be fulfilled in the Messiah, the mighty Savior, an offspring of David, and the fulfillment of the covenant with Abraham to redeem his people and save them from their enemies. Two, he praises his son John, calling him a prophet of the Most High, who would go before the Lord to prepare his ways and to give people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. Really, this expressed John's purpose, to let people know their sins would be forgiven in our Savior when they repent. John would announce God's grace to those who sit in darkness. John's message still speaks today. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. The Lord has come to save you. That's the grace of God, and we don't deserve it. Number three, Zechariah praises the mercy of God through Christ, called the daylight from on high, or in some translations, the rising sun, who would give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. It would be the light of the Messiah shining in the darkness that overcomes the power of sin and death. Only the light of Christ can lead us to true and lasting peace. In John eight twelve, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness. And in John 1, 9, Jesus is proclaimed the true light that enlightens every man. And when we follow him, we too become the light of the world. As we conclude our journey today, let's consider how we can respond to these verses of joy, especially inspired by Zechariah. We might consider two possible responses. First of all, seek God in silence. At first, you might have thought the angel Gabriel was harsh in making Zechariah silent, deaf, and mute for nine months. He only questioned that a prayer could be answered with a miracle this late in his life. But it was in Zechariah's stillness with God for nine months that he could sort out who this God of the universe really is, what his plans for a Savior were, and how much God loves Zechariah and his people. Zechariah had to get over his shame and his disappointment in God not answering his prayers like he thought he should. Actually, God had in mind a bigger blessing for Zechariah, one he couldn't even imagine. Gabriel told Zechariah his prayers had been heard and he would have joy in his old age. And he did. He would have a son and they would name him John and he would be the one who Isaiah prophesied would prepare the way of the Lord. And Malachi prophesied, Behold, I will send a messenger, and he shall prepare the way of the Lord. Now Zechariah understood. Nine months of sitting in prayer and meditation on Scripture changed everything. Why not try it? Well, I don't mean nine months, but you could pick out a morning or evening during Advent. Turn off all media and be present with the Lord in prayer, in Scripture, in adoration. Sit with Him and listen. You could find a new vision, too, in a deeper relationship with God, because God's waiting for you, and God wants, more than ever, to be with you. The second response you might have is to remember, God redeems you. He wants to redeem you. In the Benedictus, these words are clear. God would send a Savior to redeem His people. Where do you need redemption from sin or from shame or from anything in your past? If you are living in any darkness or carrying baggage— Jesus wants to carry your baggage. 
give it to him and take his peace. Remember these words of the Benedictus. By the tender mercies of our God, the dawn from on high, that's Christ, the rising sun, will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Just ask. Say, Jesus, I am sorry for my sins. I choose to follow you. I make you the Lord of my life. Take all my shame. Take all my baggage. Take all my sin and give me peace. And he will. Well, that's the end of our podcast for today. I'm so happy that you've joined our Advent Joy journey. You can find bookmarks for this series on my website, wrapyourselfinjoy.com. Until next week, please know that I'm praying for you. I'm asking our loving Heavenly Father for more joy, Advent joy, and more of His presence in your life. And I'm praying for you to create some stillness and quiet time this Advent to be with Jesus and listen to His Word in the depth of your heart. And last of all, I'm praying that you remember these few words from the Benedictus. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to His people and set them free. He has raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of his servant David. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Thanks for joining me today. Please visit me on my website, wrapyourselfinjoy.com, where you can learn more about my books, download free bookmarks, and connect with me. Please follow me on your favorite podcast app and invite a friend to join you too. You can download the show notes from today at wrapyourselfinjoypodcast.com. Until next week, this is your friend, Karen Dwyer, reminding you to wrap yourself in joy. <music>